0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. What we try to do on this program, as you know, if you've been a listener for any length of time, is we try to look at the world around us and uh, take the light that we have from the teaching of the Church and shine it onto the world situation. We certainly also teach Catholic doctrine, uh, you know, but we use the light that comes with Catholic doctrine to look upon the world in order to understand it better. Uh, well, again, uh, we're at a time of war. The uh, United States is not going uh, to war. I mean, president in, in the technical sense, uh, President Biden has said U.S. soldiers will not fight on behalf of Ukraine or enter at least Ukrainian territory. But questions of war are complicated. And I, you know, you can... You have to find balance here, because you can become—sentimentalize war and go in the direction of being a a pacifist, or you can go in the direction of saying that war is glorious, um, kind of romanticizing what's going on here. But the teaching of the Church has been clear from the beginning. We are against war. Um, (laughs) We are against war, Uh, you know. Doesn't mean we don't have, doesn't mean we may not, we never fight, but it means we are against war. And the person who explained this better than anybody else was John Paul II. And this is a fellow who, I mean, don't say that he did not understand politics or he didn't understand war or that he was a sentimentalist. This, John Paul II lived under both Nazi and communist regimes in Poland. And during his papacy, he dealt with nearly every political leader on the world stage. And he could write this, he could say this, which he did back in 2003 at the time of the invasion of Iraq. He said, no to war. War is not always inevitable. It is always a defeat for humanity. International law, honest dialogue, solidarity between states, the noble exercise of diplomacy, These are methods worthy of individuals and nations in resolving their differences. I say this as I think of those who still place their trust in nuclear weapons and of the all too numerous conflicts which continue to hold hostage our brothers and sisters in humanity. Faced with the constant degeneration of the crisis in the Middle East, the solution will never be imposed by recourse to terrorism or armed conflict as if military victories could be the solution. War is never just another means that one can choose to employ for settling differences between nations. Those are are strong, very, very strong words uh, from uh, John Paul II. And again, I'll say, the Catholic Church, since it was founded by our Lord over 2,000 years ago, has always been an advocate for peace in the world. Uh, now, peace, this is something to keep in mind, too, because in the Catholic tradition, peace is not merely the absence of war and conflict. Peace is about the proper ordering of human nature and human society according to the eternal law of God. So you've got the compendium of the social doctrine of the Church, and let me just read a passage there. Quote, Being, excuse me, before being God's gift to man and a human project in conformity with the divine plan, peace is in the first place a basic attribute of God. And then they quote Judges 6.24, the Lord is peace. Creation, which is a reflection of the divine glory, aspires to peace. God created all that exists, and all of creation forms a harmonious whole, that is good in its every part. Peace is founded on the primary relationship that exists between every human being and God himself, a relationship marked by righteousness. Following upon the voluntary act by which man altered the divine order, this is the fall, these documents referring to the fall here, um, following upon the voluntary act by which man altered the divine order, The world experienced the shedding of blood and division. Violence made its appearance in interpersonal relations and in social relationships. Peace and violence cannot dwell together, and where there is violence, God cannot be present. That's from the Compendium uh, of the Social Doctrine of the Church, uh, paragraph 488. There are many church documents and papal encyclicals dealing with the promotion of peace in the world. Uh, so it's not hard to find. We'll have some of these documents available for you in the Cresta Guest archives. But the, the the obvious question comes up then. Well, if you're to always be an advocate for peace in the world, what do you do when you have aggressors who are destroying the innocent. And that fact of life is not lost upon the Church. So for many centuries, the Church's teaching on peace and war has been shaped by what has come to be called just war theory. And just war theory is the philosophical doctrine that states that war should be avoided at all costs, but if the correct conditions are present, then a war can be justified. And the two pioneers of this theory are St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas. St. Augustine wrote that, the commandment forbidding killing was not broken by those who have waged wars on the authority of God. St. Thomas went even further by actually laying out three conditions of a just war. He stated that uh, a war needs to be fought for a just case. It needs to be waged by a proper authority. It needs to be done with right intentions. And to add a lot of another uh, criteria there, it also has to take place as a last resort. In other words, all other efforts at peacemaking uh, have been exhausted. And there are a few other things that play into this just war idea. The damage inflicted by the aggressor uh, has to be lasting, grave, and certain. You have to know this is going to happen, and it's going to be lasting, grave, and certain. Uh, As I said, last resort. Another thing that people don't think about is that there must be serious prospects of success. So, you know, you you think that, you know, you might get up and engage in war because you think it's the noble thing to do. But you also have to consider, from a Catholic point of view, whether you can, have, if you can have success, you know, you've got to restore uh, peace. And so is that likely to happen if you go into a war? And uh, another little uh, modification here is that the use of arms must not produce evils and disorders worse than the evil that you're trying to eliminate. And uh, people pointed out that with the use of nuclear weapons, of course, uh, is that a no-win situation? Uh, again, these are prudential judgments that civil authorities have to make. But in open societies and representative societies like our own, uh, the civil authority really lies with the people. You know, we vote, so we elect the administration, or at least we elect leaders of the administration. So those are some things to keep in mind when we talk about just war theory. Uh, You've got to make sure, first of all, that uh, the right authority is declaring war. You've got to make sure that there is a just cause that one is fighting for. Uh, You have to be doing it with the right intention. You have to make sure that the damage That the aggressor is is inflicting on the nation would be lasting, grave, and certain unless you repelled it. You have to make sure that all other means of putting an end to war uh, have been shown to be uh, impractical, ineffective, useless. You have to have serious prospects for success. You know, you might have the best of reasons here, but if you can't, if there's no way, you're going to win. From a Catholic point of view, you probably shouldn't take up arms unless you've got serious prospects for success. And then one to always keep in mind is that the use of arms cannot produce evils and disorders that are worse than the evil that you're trying to eliminate. Those are some of the things that the Church keeps in mind, but we have to always come back to what I said at the very beginning and to what John Paul II said, and I'll repeat it, because I I think— he, he was incredibly powerful in this position. And I, I stress again, this is a man who went through uh, the Second World War. He was under the communists afterwards. He was under the Nazis during the war. He understands uh, the injustice of oppression. And yet he said, quote, no to war. War is not always inevitable. It is always a defeat for humanity. International law, honest dialogue, solidarity between states, the noble exercise of diplomacy, these are the methods worthy of individuals and nations in resolving their differences. I say this as I think of those who still place their trust in nuclear weapons and of the all too numerous conflicts which continue to hold hostage our brothers and sisters in humanity. Um, Earlier, I pointed out that when we talk about war, we shouldn't be sentimentalizing uh, or romanticizing war. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt always, always struck me uh, as a a figure who romanticized war and and saw the glory of combat. Uh, You know, all I can say is, I wonder if he would, I wonder if he would say the same if he were on this side of the twentieth century, <laughs> rather than at the beginning of it. Would he have the same attitudes as war has become increasingly mechanized and industrialized? Would he have the same attitude? But the one reason we should not get overly sentimental about this, and you know, put flowers into the rifles of soldiers. Is because Jesus Himself doesn't come, uh, strictly speaking, to bring peace. He comes to bring a sword, and so conflict takes place as a result of the incarnation. Jesus's birth is important because it marks the inbreaking of God into history. God is taking His world back, and remember the story doesn't end with Jesus. This is the babe in the manger. It doesn't end with him hanging on the cross. It doesn't even end with him ascending to heaven to sit at the right hand. It ends in Revelation chapter 19, where Jesus is presented as the warrior king. John says, I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And for righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flames of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself.